Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 Bears. Football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Hall. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score. You need to find that edge. You need to find that chip on your shoulder. And speaking of the guy who defines that every moment he's on the basketball court, he's coming home. I love that they got a tough kind of, you know, tough-as-nails-minded guard. You know, this is a guy, not only is he going to win, he's going to win the fight after, right? <laughs> he is this guy. You want to talk about Chicago tough. He epitomizes Chicago tough. Yeah. He is going to make the Bulls more interesting, ideally more engaging, more compelling. This makes them more interesting to watch. This is going to be fascinating. I'm not going to say it's a bad idea. Nothing about this is wrong because it's a gamble. And it could work out great for the Bulls. Start your mornings with Mully and Hawk, 5.30 till 10 a.m. They could go on a little bit of a run now. Oh, you know what? You, I mean, seriously, get out! On 670, the score. You never know. You are not allowed you to say know. that. I need to look at the schedule. They lost six in a row. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Man, I, I was listening to some of that Pat Beverly stuff from the uh, from the podcast, and I got to tell you, maybe they do go on a roll. You, you, got, me, uh, you got me rethinking everything. Marty Mully, you have to say, when he talks like that, oh, he awesome. makes people want to believe. You can see why he's such a respected leader. You can see why he is that kind of human ball of energy. Walks into a locker room, demands respect because he commands your attention. And he's not taking anything from anybody. He's taking names. That's the only thing he's taking. And and I got to tell you, David, you look at a guy like that, he's like a career agitator. And he's coming to Chicago. He's I'm going to get on this guy. I'm going to. You know, and then he he's asked what his role is, and he will like it's just the height of sort of this. I don't, I'm going to be so jacked up. I don't know what I will do. I, I mean that it's hysterical. This is either going to be a great thing for the Bulls in the final 23 games, or a terrific thing for his next career because the guy can oh, talk, geez. and now he's in in the Chicago market, back home. And if somebody's going to listen to him, and I think, and you hear it already with his podcast, goodness sakes, yeah. he knows how to communicate. Well, I, He knows I, how to send a message. I, I agree with you. I also think there is an element of sort of, um, you know, you're sitting on the end, the edge of your seat because literally the guy could say anything. You never know what he could come well, out with. And when he's I, guarding you, he could do anything. I mean, that's good why, or bad. That's what he's, I mean. So you're yeah. so, you, you are, you, you're, 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 you're captured by... The possibility, right? He, he comes in and he walks in, and you just don't know what's going to happen next. No, because he doesn't know. <laughs> I get I get the feeling listening to that podcast that he doesn't know what he's going to say next. He's like, it's not like he's thought it all through. He's just kind of, I'll tell you something else. I mean, it's just awesome. The it's best so part fun. of the podcast, and we can we can go through little things along the way. But what he said about what he planned to do when he saw Zach Levine. It's hard to kind of judge me from, you know, all the out, out, outside stuff. You know, a lot of people think it's what I do is putting on a lot of antics and all that extra. But when when in reality, you know, when you when I'm on your team and I'm your teammate and I'm your player and you're my coach, like you get a different vibe. You're like, man, this he'd do anything for the team. You know what I'm saying? So 
They're going to get that. I'm going to, you know me, I'm going to be on Zach with being ass. I'm going to give him all the energy he need. Destroy people. Me and DeMar DeRozan, we good. I got a, a pop and five. Uh, and Vujovic, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> you got to love that stuff. Oh, it's hysterical. You got to love somebody who <laughs> already understands his role, looking forward to doing what he can. And, you know, that's why I got a little carried away yesterday. No, I, it's fun. I like it's to fun. have guys like that around. You need instigators. Yeah. God, I, I, one of my favorite basketball stories ever. I think I think Mark Vansell wrote. It was just like a notebook, and it was um, it was about um, Kelly Trapuca era Charlotte. I think, uh, or, or was or was he in Cleveland? I don't remember Kelly Trapuca. But I'm just saying, it's a long time ago. Yeah, and it was basically some guy just walked into the locker room. And, you know, dropped trow and started putting on a uniform. And they were all standing there like, what, did we sign somebody? And this guy is really short and, you know. And then eventually, like, security came in and confronted the guy. And he was just some guy. So they, like, cuffed him and they were leading him out. And as the guy was walking out, uh, uh, who was the guard, the Cleveland guard, Price? Remember that Mark guy? Mark Price, yeah, Mark Georgia Price. Tech. He's walking by Mark Price, and he looks at him, and he's being let out by security. And he says, I'm going to shut you down, Price. <laughs> and I don't know why. Like, some guy who just decided to put out a uniform was also going to talk some smack before the game. It, it's just hysterical. Confidence well, is, that's what I'm is saying. just something that people have or they don't. And it's inherent. And you can right. see Patrick Beverly walking in to that locker room whenever it is for the first time. I'm here. I get in line. I'm gonna get on your ass. It's leadership. And I'm gonna give it, you energy. Yeah, in his own <laughs> brand of leadership. Everybody's got their different oh. style. That's his. And you know what, Molly? I mean, he's coming off a couple situations where, especially last year, he, when he was the the MVP of the play-in round with the Timberwolves. This is a guy that has a good track record of making a quick impact, and that is what the Bulls are trying to get. They are. Desperate. And when we talked about Russell Westbrook, yeah, desperate times call for desperate measures. This is no less desperate going to Patrick oh, no. Beverly no, at this no. time. No. And, and I mean, it is the same idea. Yep. You, you got to get someone that's going to bring it every night. You got to get someone that's going to, that's got a little dog in their game. Right. And, uh, and they're going to kind of spread that to the team he, on that podcast. He was asked, about about himself like what is his role on the team i i gotta tell you it's kind of laugh out loud funny to uh to hear uh, what he had to say how are you going to affect those star players impact winning well you know me i impact winning i'm shooting i'm shooting 40 over the last couple months i'm playing actually playing some of my best basketball if you put up the numbers my numbers right now are better than my numbers in minnesota was last season yeah, and and then right after that, he said that uh, basically he, you know, he could do anything. He could do he, you know, he wasn't going to limit what his role was going to be because he may play better than he ever has before. He may. He's never been home before. Right. He's never had this kind of uh, emotional boost. He doesn't know what kind of role adrenaline will play the first time he goes out right. there in the number one twenty one jersey. Good for him and good for. Good for I, you know. The more Hilarious. that we think about this, yeah, it is easy to get carried away. It is only one guy, and he might only play twenty five minutes a game. But they had to do something. They had to try to change 
the direction of the season. Six losses in a row. You're right by calling me out yesterday. You were exactly <laughs> 100% correct because I was over my skis. This oh, is a team that has fun. lost six straight. They had to do yeah. something. I'm looking forward to see where this leads, though, because it is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. 26 and 33, 11th place. I know. In, a, in an Eastern Conference that, that he says is not very good. They are more interesting than, than a lot of teams, though, now because of Pat, Patrick Beverly. Molly, they're in 11th place. You know what happened? This is what you need to pay attention to as well, NBA fans. The team in front of them, the Atlanta Hawks, the team that has passed them, yes. fired their coach. Right. He got there after Billy Donovan arrived, mm-hmm. and now he's leaving before Billy Donovan leaves. So I am just saying, when you talk about the NBA, Nate McMillan had a four-year yeah. contract. He's got two years left. He's gone. Yeah, that that and I guess uh, Quinn Snyder is the favorite. He's had some success. You know, you remember him back oh, yeah. from his college days, and then he did a real good job out in Utah. Coach of the year, I think. Yeah, and, um, and that's scary to think about. Well, how good they could get. Well, they need to find somebody that can mesh with Trey Young. Well, that was the biggest problem with McMillan because he was somebody who they clearly clashed and it was public and ugly. So now right. we find out, and I don't want to draw the parallel, but it's impossible to ignore if you have a star player that doesn't get along with your is not compatible with your head coach. Who wins that one? Yeah, the star player wins. It's the NBA. Of yeah. course, the star player wins that one. And that. You know, especially a guy with that laser focus. <laughs> or dare I say that laser focused. <laughs> well, I just You want to get along with him. You do want to get along with and him. And I, and I colleagues. think that's why, not to draw a direct comparison, but Zach Levine, Billy Donovan need to find a way to work together in concert with each other for the best of the Bulls moving and, forward. And, you know, maybe maybe this is a way. Maybe you bring in an assistant coach, uh, uh, a P-Bev, who's going to get on his arse. The and, bad cop. Yeah. Well, that's 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 why. The energy cop. The energy cop. Whatever he wants to be, he needs to come in there and enforce some things, right? That's what you're looking for if you're the Bulls. That's why he's here. And I know you're not a big fan of the whole player as mentor, player as assistant coach role. But I think in this case, you could see the value of having a, a quasi-coach Listen, on the floor at all times. Someone's got to light a fire under these guys. Yep. Okay? And that's that simple. And you bring in a guy that has one burning in him all the time. He's like the eternal flame, for God's sake. It's how he's lasted as long as he has. He's he's it's a very entertaining podcast. I gotta tell you, <laughs> I, I mean, I agree. It, it, well, it's entertaining because you're hearing exactly what you want to hear. It is, and I don't. That's think, exactly what I want the let, guy to do. Let's be honest, we're not paying attention to this. It's the first time that I listened this week. Oh, of course. But I'm a new listener. Yeah. Longtime fan, first time listener. Yeah, I, I mean, good for P. Bev. You know what's funny is is there are times when different people come through town and. People will say, like, wow, you know, have you interviewed that guy? Did you talk to that guy? And sometimes you're kind of like, well, not, not really. I haven't really talked to him because I really want to talk about sports. I'm not interested in the other stuff. Um, because it's all about the game. But this is about the game. This is what's lacking with this team is is like a bump of energy. And here's hoping that, that this translates into better performance because other players well, are motivated there, you, by him. Patrick Beverly has been accused of many things throughout his NBA career. Agitator. Agitator, instigator, yeah. but he's never been accused of being indifferent. Mm. And so That's you, right. you're never going to doubt where he's coming from and how hard he's coming at you. So this is good 
for the Bulls. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing how this kind of unfolds. Molly, if I'm a little bit sluggish this morning, early on, I have to apologize. I stayed up to watch the Blackhawks, mm-hmm. and I, re- I, I don't regret doing it because the way that the game ended, oh, my goodness sakes, but it was an investment in time, but it was worth it. I, they won, and the way that they almost won was unbelievable. Right. They, they brought it down to the final second. I thought that was a goal, frankly, watching it this morning. I did too I did first. not stay up. I did not lose a night's sleep for a team as far out of the picture. I know. You know, the only thing I did watch the beginning of the game, you just you wanted to know, is that the end for, for P. Kane? Is that That's is Patrick Kane done now? His last home game, I believe the next home game is the second, and the trade deadline's the third. If they're going to move him, and it looks like they're going to move him, I know that uh, the general manager said he hasn't said yet whether he'll approve a trade or not, but just – just looking at it, you would think either way, you're not going to play him on March 2nd if you might trade him on the 3rd. So he might be already gone, but I I would think that might be his last home Could game. have been. And Kyle Davidson talked to NBC Sports yeah. Chicago during the intermission, and that's what kind of drew me in. Right. He had an interview with Pat Boyle and Kaylee Chelios, and I think it was a good one. And he didn't he didn't say he wasn't going to be traded. He, he handled things as carefully as you would imagine. So I was drawn in, and I was texting with my son, and I'm watching the game, and you know, you so you get kind of caught up because it is Vegas is one of the potential teams that might be after Kaner, and then they come back and they're down two to one, and they score a goal in the final couple minutes, and then it's tied, and then you think, okay, well this is interesting. I love hockey overtime, yeah. So I might, I, I love the three on three just because of the action, but yeah. then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there's Kaner. Oh, it's it's a it's a breakaway. It's a break. The, there's two seconds on the clock. Oh. He shoots from between the dots. It, it's a goal. Oh, my gosh, it's yeah, a goal. It looked like a goal. And you thought that it was a goal. And then you thought they won. And how poetic that would have been. Yes. His last moment as a Blackhawk, perhaps, being a game-winning goal at the, at the horn. And they disallowed it. I hated that. And then I'm ticked off, and I'm watching overtime, and they end up, uh, they end up winning. And uh, it was, it was a, a, a nice victory and moment for the Hawks because Kaner went out that way. And, you know, it's, it's still hockey. Yeah. I, you know, I think the problem sometimes when you're watching hockey is they have the, uh, the second intermission, right? So if you're, if you're kind of staying up too late and you're caught up in it and you do, it doesn't matter how bad the team is. You've watched so many good games and so many over the years, you do get hooked in and if you if you stay through the first uh, intermission, odds are you're definitely going to be there for the second intermission. That's when you got to that's the decision. That's the, that's a tough call because that's when we got to get up and we got to bed. And but the OT was exciting. Right? The shootout was better. And when they win in the shootout and they've saved the day, and then they gave him the the belt in the post game. I saw that on the on the Twitter machine this morning. So yeah, it was one of those moments that uh, was pretty cool. And he's had quite a week. So anybody doubting whether or not Patrick Kane is still an elite hockey player, that ans- that, that question has been answered emphatically in the last three games. Yeah, I mean – Still got I, it. I, 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 uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Whether – you know, there's two questions to me. It's Patrick Kane holds all the cards in this thing. You know, he all can, of them. He can decide that he wants to stay. Patrick Kane's a different guy than he was earlier in his career, right? Yes. He's, he's – he's, uh, He's totally different. He's got roots here now, all that stuff. It is 
that is a hard decision to he's, make. It's not just you. He's clearly conflicted as yeah. a father now. He yes. is, and he's looking at things a little bit through a different lens. And what I found also interesting, NHL Network talked about how there are more teams involved now, teams that have called after he's uh, Kevin Weeks talked to his agent. And I don't know if it's in reaction to the last couple games or not, but there are more teams involved, so the decisions are out there more than just, well, should I go to Vegas or not? Or yeah. should I go to Dallas or not? There might be more options available, and he has to think about it, but he is clearly a guy that doesn't know what to do. Yeah. It's hard. On the fence. It's a hard call. Just I'm saying from his perspective, because he makes the call, because he has a full no trade, and he has to approve any deal. So he gets to kind of pick where he goes. And he's a free agent. And, and you can say, well, you know, that's that's the ideal position to be in. You know, you can go figure out, cherry pick where you want to go win and add to your legacy. I, I think his legacy is safe. I don't think he has to worry about proving anything. Not at all. You know, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. They uh, they might lose him to free agency if he if he plays out the right, season. Right. If they don't trade him at the deadline, I'd be inclined to try to keep him with an extension. Mm -hmm. That's where I would be with this because he still can play at a very high level. They're still the third worst team in the NHL in terms of the tankathon.com. You know how much I love that website. There's still two teams in front of them in that race to Connor Bedard. So they can still be bad and keep Patrick Kane. Let's like wait and see. Yeah, he'd be he'd be fun guy to see Connor Bedard play. <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's very tempting. If I'm Kyle Davidson, I'm very tempted by that possibility. Uh, all right, we've got uh, spring training ongoing. Uh, the uh, uh, the Cubs kind of had a light day because of the rain. Isn't that bizarre? Whenever you hear about rain in the desert, you just what? How? I mean, I thought that was the point of going there that you didn't have rain, but. It's been a super weird weather year, not just here, but there. Because on the first day, yeah. the pitchers and catchers reported the temperatures were the same in Chicago and Mesa. That makes no sense. How does that happen? And now you're looking at these reports, and people who wanted to just get away to Arizona had to bring their umbrella. What a shame. That, that's crazy, though. <laughs> that That is – I mean, I can remember going to Arizona um, one year where it, I don't think we saw the sun for, like, 40 or 50 straight days and you get there and you're just like oh my god like this is the sun give me the vitamin d give me the, give me your light and warmth and um and it, it's been totally different here in chicago this winter it in fact i gotta say it kind of scares me i feel like we've done horrible damage to the planet now you know it's not our generation that has to worry about it but Hopefully, there'll be future generations. There's no doubt that there has been terrible damage done to the planet. That has to explain some of this mild weather we've been having consistently in, in the winter. I want to complain about it, but I really am enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Whether yeah. you're a commuter or a daily jogger, whatever the case may be, you don't mind when the weather is like this. We're, today, it'd be different. It's like rain and ice. And that's super weird. I mean, just looking at the old, uh, at the the weather uh, report, the the winter the weather service, eleven a.m., twelve a.m., one p.m., two p.m., three p.m., four p.m., five p.m., one hundred percent chance of rain. <laughs> I mean, like that doesn't give you any leeway. Hey, do you think I need an umbrella? Well, there's only go a straight to the window. Bet 100%. That one hundred percent. Take the over. Holy God! If it doesn't rain today. Uh. 
That would be awesome. <laughs> it would be. Yeah, it, it would definitely be it would beat the odds. So 100% What's happened right. to Chicagoans in that? I would, I would posit this. I, I would suggest this. The driving on the roads is worse when it rains and when it snows. Mm. People are better when it's snowing than when it's raining. I, I think I the, think the traffic tends to reflect that. That's Certainly my experiences do. I, I don't argue that. I think what happens, and uh, and feel free to contradict me, I think what happens is that that people in the rain, there's an inconsistency of performance. It's like when it snows, everyone slows down a little. Exactly. And everyone's aware of the slick. You're right. When it rains, that's it. you got half the guys that are like, I'm, I'm driving this vehicle. I, I got this. This is rainproof. And then half the people are like, oh, boy, you know, my bald tires might not You've got up. some people that think, yeah. that's only rain. Right. I can handle the rain. And that's then the it. other half is like, oh, boy, I'm on my way to the ark because I'm scared to death. It's weird. I'm going to slide like, out of control. It's like driving in Florida where you got the combination of the octogenarian and the young hot rodder. And I like to use the word hot rodder because I think it's a word an octogenarian would use. <laughs> it definitely would. And that is not an oxymoron at all. A youthful octogenarian. Uh, oh boy, that would that not would be, be. Yeah, yeah. There, there, such a thing does exist. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, gotta tell you, it's, uh, it's really interesting to see the changes in the weather pattern. And the Cubs, light practice, they were indoors. It was raining. The Sox, they were at least talking a little bit. There's well, more stuff there. The, the Sox. I, I, I heard yesterday from Sharma that, uh, that or, uh, from Saeed uh, Sahadov. Sahadov. I'm sorry. Um, they, they, Dansby Swanson hasn't really been around since that first day. Isn't that weird? Shouldn't he, shouldn't a guy like that be available every time that where's he been? I, well, he's just, you mean to talk or to yeah, work he out? hasn't been, he hasn't, he hasn't been available in the clubhouse. He just hasn't been in the open. clubhouse when the media, well, you know, Sully talked about this on inside the clubhouse over the weekend, what yeah. the teams are doing now more than they used to. It used to be, as we all can remember, you go to spring training, it's great access, everybody has their guard down, and you walk in that's the clubhouse what, and you expect. pick a player, right? Yeah. But the teams now are structuring it so they have control over who's available on any given day. Like, much like the NFL, they're controlling the message as much as they possibly can. I don't want to put this on Dansby Swanson necessarily because I don't know the circumstances, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Cubs are – uh, uh, looking at this, it's going to be a long six weeks, spring training. How about every couple of days, whatever the case may be? I but, don't know. But if you're a beat guy, you want to, like, talk to a guy about a vacation he took as a seven-year-old. You want to have, <laughs> like, a background conversation well, with him you, you, you that know, you then can use, you know. But beat guys don't a- necessarily are, worry about that as much as guys who come in and, and parachute in for a couple of days and go out. That's the one thing I think but, is a bigger concern. But my point is, like, uh, if, unless you have FaceTime with the guy and, yeah. and you're t- talking – about everything, not just one. You're talking about establishing a rapport. That's what I'm talking about. And, but I don't think that the, those kind of days are the good old days. Okay. I, I really think that. All right. But those are important days. Well, the, the kind of, maybe. I'm, just saying, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not diminishing how important they used to be. Yeah. I just don't think they're valued by the teams any longer. They, oh, I agree. Molly, but, they don't care about messaging. Teams just don't. But, but, but this is the face of the organization this is the guy that we're going to be talking about. I don't know. Exactly. I, Have I you just... seen that marquee special on Dansby Swanson? Have you seen him, you know, win the press conference? Uh, because they'll play it again. I, I think that when you have your own network, okay. when you have your own website, 
teams are looking at this kind of access in a much different way than they used to because they can. How about Joe Girardi being uh, omnipresent on Marquee for that Cubs 360 show, and he's out there. Get used to it. He's he's supposedly going to do a lot of games. You're going to see a lot more of Joe Girardi, and I think that's a good thing. Oh, I agree. Every Cub fan gets smarter when they listen to Joe Girardi. I agree. I mean, it's it's good. I I don't have any argument against it. I'm just saying – I'm surprised that he's doing that much, aren't you? I, I was, I mean, I'm delighted that they have him there. I, I'm only surprised because this limits him to one team. He's more of a network guy, I would yeah. think. That That's he, what I mean. Thought he would, might be in a booth somewhere That's like exactly that. That's exactly what I would. I I'm fascinated by what David Ross might think of the presence, ever presence of Joe Girardi. Huh? In the booth. Yeah, but he doesn't second guess him, and he's always very upbeat. It's not, not yet. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. That's good. <laughs> now, this um, is the first time they've had expectations in a while. We we missed it the other day, but we know that uh, Dustin's favorite uh, Cub, Dexter Fowler, um, retired several years after we thought he had retired. Jason Kipnis followed suit. Did you see that? I saw that. He retired. I don't think I saw him play for like two years. Um, but he was apparently bouncing around the minors, or but he did retire. I'm not sure. Is he going to Marquee? Is he he could be. Guy? He could be next. Because he's, he's very, from here. He's very good. He's very good on the air. Yeah. He could. They've got plenty of room. They've right. got a deep bench. Okay. I can see Kipnis in there. Every I, time I, you see Kipnis, so what do you think keep, of? I keep forgetting to ask. I think of his father. No. <laughs> I think in game seven. Oh, oh my God. Sorry. I'm sorry. I should know what button's not to push. 312-644-6767 is the number. We've got the pick six. We're going to pick apart all the stories of the day. It's Mully and Hodge, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. It's pick six with Mully and Hodge, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Hall. Pick six with Mully and Hall starts now. In case you were wondering, the Bulls will not be tanking to increase their chances of keeping their top four pick or possibly get the number one overall selection, which they have a 7.5% chance of getting. Patrick Beverly made that crystal clear on his podcast. Now, hell no. No they didn't tank. Here to tank. They didn't bring me here to tank. Is that the best course of action for the Bulls? Uh, no. Uh, no. Did you see the uh, the kid from France? We don't. We don't. Call him by name, Victor. Wimbayama? Yeah, okay. The kid from France. Uh, they, they, <laughs> they measured him now in gym shoes, but he was seven foot three at the start of their French season. Seven five, according to ESPN the other day. Seven foot five in gym shoes. Um, that, that means he's probably 6'11. No, it doesn't. He can guard Zach Eady. That is extraordinary. I mean, 7'5". He's grown to – he's 19 years old. So, if you could get that guy, wouldn't you want a guy like that? Wouldn't that be a cool thing to to, to show off with, uh, with the rest of the kids? Um, look, I, I think that uh, the Bulls – the Bulls have – they have some obvious needs. And the biggest need is that point guard. And uh, I don't know that Io is the answer. I'm sure he remains there. But it will be very interesting to see if this – little jolt of energy does anything for this team. I, I mean, it's this has been the most disappointing team in the NBA 
much as the White Sox were the most disappointing team in baseball. And I think we've got to see this team get to 500. We've got to see this team get over that hump. And there's not any time left. It's going to be fun to watch Patrick Beverly and see if he can make a difference. I don't know that that's possible. You know how I feel about the buyout market. But I'm pumped up to watch this guy, and I love hearing him talk. Well, this is tough because I see two sides to this. And it's sad that they have to get a guy like Pat Beverly in here. You know, my biggest takeaway from that podcast was that he's going to come here and he's going to kick the $250 million man in the backside to get him going. Wait, what? So, like, that that means that that's, like, the that's league thought. That, yeah. that, that, that Zach Levine needs a little light on the backside. But that's just the way he is. I well, mean, is that just the way he – well, David, I mean, that's that's the thing. Is that the way he is? Meaning, who are we talking about? Is is the, is he is he Pat Beverly or is he Zach Levine? You know, I guess my point is, he said it. All I can do is take the guy at his word. He said part of what he's going to do is to kick Zach Levine in the backside to get him going. The two hundred and fifty million dollar man shouldn't need getting going. On the flip side of this. There are not one but two guys that are supposed to be very good in this upcoming NBA draft. Okay, another guy, Scoot Henderson, a 17-year-old that doesn't play high school basketball or college basketball because he's still in high school, um, but he's going to be eligible for the draft because he plays from, like, Point Ignite or something it's called. So here's another guy. So, you know, when you talk about these chances, if it's a 7.5% chance to get that top pick, isn't it a... 15% chance to get one of these two guys in the first or second spot? That's fuzzy math. Always with me. It's yeah. Fuzzy. 7.5% chance to get the number one guy, Victor Wembanyama. And as for the top four, you still have a shot to be in the top four if you're 32%. But I still don't know if that is realistic. And there's still a chance. I, I, I will say this. I understand – I'd rather be over my skis trying to root for a modest playoff run, a successful end to a bad season. I'd rather do that than root for losses again and to start this conversation again and this dialogue about the tanking again. There are enough teams in town that have tanked. There are enough teams in town that stink. Can we just finish the season, a forgettable season, on a high note? Patrick Beverly is not here to tank. He's here to tell the truth. Patrick Beverly is the guy that's going to walk in and tell you you got a pimple on your forehead and not ignore it. You've got spinach in your teeth. That's Pat Bever Pat Patrick Beverly. So if, if Zach Levine is the guy that needs to be told, hey, you know, wake up, lead us, take us somewhere. You took a bad shot. Play some defense. Good. I want to watch that. I don't want to root for losses again. Seriously? You know, I've been asked that question before. That's the voice of Kendall Gill. He'll be with the guys, 725, right here on the score. The Bulls made official what many of us feared last summer. Lonzo Ball won't play this season due to a knee injury. What's more likely at this point? Lonzo Ball starts in the 23-24 season as the Bulls' starting point guard or the Bulls reach an injury settlement and move on. I really wonder about the realities financially of an injury settlement. It has been done before with teams. And I don't know the nature and the contract details about what's guaranteed to Lonzo Ball. I would assume that a four-year, $80 million deal 
would be guaranteed for most of it. But I don't know the injury considerations. We need to do a little bit more digging. But I do think that the Bulls should explore every possibility. Because to me, that is a more reasonable outcome and a more realistic thing to consider than having him start next year, going into the offseason, planning on him being part of the solution. He's more of a part of the problem. And through no fault of his own, he's got bad knees. He's got a bad knee in this case. So that's something you have to plan for, and I think it's easier to try to navigate through a difficult contractual reality, a settlement, a buyout, whatever the case may be, than to have the fool's gold of, hey, he's going to be the starter next year and we're going to be okay. You could imagine and envision easily the Bulls, if they don't make the playoffs, if they don't go as far as they thought they should, blowing things up in the offseason, that wouldn't include bringing Lonzo Ball back. Now I can hope that Lonzo Ball is back to being Lonzo Ball and he's ready to go in 23-24, but I think it's more likely that it's a buyout and he's gone and he's done and we'll never see him again in a Bulls uniform. Now, one of the rumors circulating, I don't know if any of you guys have heard this or seen this, is that when he was with the Lakers, okay, that's where he came from, right, is that they were worried about, he had some knee issues with them too, and supposedly, allegedly, it was because of the big baller brand shoe, that this shoe was so bad compared to the other shoes, but they were trying to push it, right, they're trying to push their own product, that these these knee issues came because he was wearing the shoe, big baller brand. Where did you see that? The I may inter- have had a text or the, the, the internet okay. and, 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 and had a discussion yeah. with a friend that's a big NBA guy about about this. Okay. Okay. I said, I said internet Possible. rumors. I said reports. Possible. I said allegedly. <laughs> it's not like it's not like everybody's out there wearing the big baller brand shoe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many guys did they have in their circle of friends? Someone clearly afraid of lawsuits. This segment is brought to you by Finishing Chicago. All great finishes start with finishingchicago.com. Um, yeah, you know, I, I feel awful about the whole Lonzo Ball story. Again, you know, yesterday we talked about it. Today we're having this conversation because it's in the news and it's happened. But we knew this was coming. This isn't a surprise. We shouldn't be. I would hope that they've already gone through all this and figured out how to uh, how to get rid of the guy without... Um, losing all of the money uh and i don't know that they can get away with that i don't know why he would want to buy out the contract when he could be content to just sit there and get every dollar out of him um and if he doesn't play he doesn't play right i mean he's under contract they gave him the money so it's going to be hard to uh and i don't know what recourse they would have if he decides that that uh, he doesn't want to cut a deal with them i have to apologize to dustin because And look, you obviously were citing something on the internet and on SI.com last month, here's what it says. The Lonzo Ball was posted Instagram videos of himself dunking and running on the treadmill. You remember those, but they were not in the big baller brand shoes because the big baller brand shoes, according to SI.com, failed him during his time with the Los Angeles Lakers. Failed him. It's a great question. So now you have a site, so he's 
Well, is it, does that make it better? I know SI's yeah. having their own problems. <laughs> now we're sourcing it, okay? No, no, according, saying, according to SI's rumor mill. Look, if, you know, if, I mean, if I'm grading your research paper, you, I want a footnote, right? And I want to have something that is agreed at the end of the bibliography. And this is something that he is attributing to a source now, SI.com. Thank you for editing did you my not, comments. Did you not hear me say that they probably already have figured out a way to get out of that deal, or they're trying to? I think that's an excellent point, too. I don't have any basis on that. I'm looking for that now. Okay. Let's see what SI has to say Well tomorrow. done. Well, <laughs> am I grading both of you? <laughs> no shot. Did you like hearing Rami Gonzalez's reaction to his new role now that Elvis Andrews will be starting at second base? White Sox GM Rick Hahn had said someone described it as a Ben Zobris type role. I have the ability to play everywhere. I think I can play everywhere pretty well. So, yeah, just continue to go about my business, work hard, and show what I can do. Yeah, I, I got I like uh, uh, Romy Gonzalez. I'm happy that, that he has embraced this idea and the fashion in which he has. You know, they had named him the starting second baseman. You know, you heard about the greatest offseason in, in uh, sports preparation history, uh, how ready he was to play, and now you find out he's going to be playing all over the field. I understand that it's a designation, you know, Ben Zobrist type, but Ben Zobrist, pretty damn good at that, right? And, I mean, I get the idea. He's going to be playing the corner outfield positions. He's going to be all over the infield. If he could be as good as Ben Zobris, that would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think and I so. just think, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, they need someone to play kind of a Babe Ruth role on this team. I, it's just, I guess you just say it because it's it's a brand. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, I thought Leary Garcia was supposed to be their utility guy. I can't wait till we get a chance to talk to Scott Merkin later in the program and find out. What his role is now is, is uh, you know, has he been so overused by Tony La Russa that he's now exposed and perhaps on the way out? Uh, you know, taking a guy like that and playing him all the time and batting him first and batting him third and all the different weird things that were done to prove some point that couldn't be proven is uh, did that ruin that guy's career. And why would you need two of them if this is the role that, that – uh, that, that you have for a guy, why have two guys do that? It's going to be hard to make the team, especially with Billy Hamilton making and, it as a base and, dealer. And where does that leave Hanser Alberto? Yeah, yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Well, that's where I was going to go with this. I mean, Rami Gonzalez looks like the new, new and improved Lurie Garcia, right? And so as much as they loved Lurie Garcia, are they going to love Gonzalez that much? And, and how many days a week is he going to be out there? I think that's what's interesting too. It, it, you know, is, is he a late inning? Is he a defensive replace? Is he that good? Is he a defensive replacement for somebody? Perhaps. I mean, so I, it's something to keep an eye on. It's a better story. This is a better story than some of the other ones going on at White Sox camp. And I'm sure Sox fans, like most, are, are done with Lurie Garcia. And this might be the reason why you can move on from Lurie Garcia. His name's Rami Gonzalez. Lurie Garcia makes about five million dollars a year. Five point five, I think. Okay. They owe He's, him eleven million. Newsflash, right? guys. Yeah. We know this. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be on the bench in the lineup every now and then. He is your super utility guy because he's paid to do that. Rami Gonzalez, this is a nice spring training story. Because they have to tell him something after they replaced him days after publicly endorsing him. 
This is somebody who, if he's in the lineup two days a week, something's gone terribly wrong. You've got Elvis Andrews, who is an everyday player. You've got Tim Anderson, who, if unless he you know gets injured again, is an everyday player. Moncada's replacement is not Romy Gonzalez. It's Jake Berger, if he makes the team. I don't know where this fits. I think this is what you tell a kid who's like, all right, well, we like what you're doing. Let's say he fits in the Ben Zobris mold because we don't know what else to do with you, so learn a lot of different positions. We'll try to find a, a way to use you. Maybe he deepens the bench. That's a good thing. Or maybe he just gets more at-bats by going back to Charlotte. I don't know. Right. But I think that when you get an opportunity to upgrade at a position the way they did with Elvis Andrews, you take advantage of that and you work out the details with everyone else later. What Do you think Leary Legend makes this team? Yes. So then there's no spot for... That's um, kind of my point. I don't okay. think that you're paying somebody $5 million to go away. Yeah. This White Sox team? No way. It's an interesting question. Well, thank you, Rick. Is it odd to you that Oscar Colas, the presumptive starting right fielder for the Sox, is wearing number 76 at a spring training? He said he wore 44 in the minors and was hoping to wear it in the majors. Will Sebi Savalas give it up? Should he? How about the idea that Colas will have to win the job to start? Who is he competing against? Gavin Sheets? You know, I love this question so much. It's almost like I wrote it, but I didn't. I love this numbers question because, you know, I'm a big numbers guy. I saw Oscar Colas in 76, and I'm like, what is he doing? He's getting bad advice. He can't wear 76. It's terrible. They gave it to him. That's a terrible number for an outfielder. Who wants to look at 76? You can't be an outfielder wearing 76. Who wears 76? If I see 76 in spring training, I think that guy's here temporarily. If I see 76 uh, during the season, I'm like, that guy's here only on a, you know, for a couple weeks. He's going back down to the minors. So nobody wears 76. I understand it's different era, but if he wants 44, give the kid, he's no kid, give the 24-year-old rookie 44, Sebi Zavala. You're a backup catcher. Oscar Colas could be the truth. Give him 44. Well, maybe he's a fan of, of Steve McMichael. Maybe he's a fan of Tevin Jenkins. Maybe that's why he's wearing 76. I, just, there certain, ask, people, certain people pick 62 as their freshman There's no number, way that okay? Oscar Colas could tell you who Steve McMichael or Tevin Jenkins is. Okay. Well, how about this one then? And, and Molio is going to love this reference. Uh, do you know who wore 73 a year or two ago for the White Sox? Yeah. The Urminator. Yes, exactly. Okay. Right. Remember we talked about the hits of the 70s? Speaking of minor league projects... But he I had mean, a he had a splash. He had a moment. Wear? He had you know he set off the fireworks. Seventy nine. Yeah. Okay. It's of the seventies. Guys, I don't like this trend. Seventies. Who wears numbers in the seventies? I know. I mean, and unless Colas wants to use some of his sign up money to pay off <laughs> Zavala, then no, he shouldn't have to give it up. I mean, you know, Sebi had it first. You know, you know, buy him a buy him a nice. Uh, I don't know, green, big green egg from the barbecue store or whatever, and maybe that'll get him to change the number. I, I don't know what what it would take to move it, but he shouldn't just give it to him. No, he should have I, to. He should have to buy it. Surprised you don't have more respect for numbers. Oh, listen, the I do, but the NFL has thrown that all away. I mean, what what number is Ro, Roquan Smith like? Fifteen now, playing middle linebacker or 18? Stupid. eighteen? Stupid. I I thought Oscar Colas was the starting right fielder. Now we. Turns out, no, no, you got to win it. Like, is there a real competition going on? And and it, is it a real competition if it's a first baseman slash DH that you have to beat out? Do you feel like it is? 
I don't feel like I it feel is. like he's the right fielder yeah, guy. And I think that it's kind of strange to me that you no, no, he's got to win it. You know, it's only fair. New manager stuff, you think? I don't know what to think. And I, is he doing anything they don't like? Is there any reason that that they're giving him a you know high number and making him work for it? I, I I just don't know. I mean, probably there's probably baseball reasons, but I can't imagine what they are. I mean, they've been waiting for like a proper outfielder, left-handed right fielder forever. They've been waiting and for they, a right fielder since Jermaine Dye left. Yeah, town. and now you got one. And now you're going to make sure you beat out Gavin Sheets? Who, I, he shouldn't even be – Gavin Sheets should never have been playing in the outfield, right? He's not an outfielder. So I just think it's super bizarre. By the way, um, you know, when you start looking at their roster, and yeah. I, again, we're going to be talking to Scott Merkin later on in the, in the, in the show. I, I was criticized for saying program. Um, I, I want to know if Gavin Sheets – is the power bat off the bench, does that mean that Jake Berger doesn't make the team? Or do you want maybe Gavin Sheets starting so then Berger could be the power off the bench? And where does Oscar Colas fit in? I, I, I mean, they're not sending him down. This is just all kind of this noise to me. Semantics. Thank you. In number semantics and, uh, and strange semantics. I'm getting killed on the text line. The I love it. I, I, it's fun. That is really fun. All right. It's still a difficult question to answer. Do you believe Patrick Kane has played his last home game as a Blackhawk? Their next home game, March the 2nd, a day before the NHL trade deadline on March the 3rd. I believe he's played his last game as a Blackhawk um, at the United Center because I don't think they're going to play him on March 2nd. Even if he isn't traded, there's a possibility they trade him on March 3rd. Um, And I think he is going to get traded because I think that the future – for him could be competing, playing on a much better team. I, you know, I, I understand all the difficulty of leaving a place where you've been your whole career, but he's too valuable for this team. This team is not interested in winning, and um, and he's going to help them do that, so he's got to go. This year, yes, forever, no. Hmm. One-day contract? Interesting. No, I, I think uh, maybe even a home team discount. I don't have any inside information here, and I don't know uh, anything more than the people who have heard him talk emotionally about how conflicted he is. It wouldn't shock me at this point if he stays. It won't shock me if he stays because he holds all of the cards. He is in control of the no movement clause and approving any kind of deal. And if you're conflicted at this point of the decision-making process, nothing is going to happen that changes that, that sort of ambivalence you have or that sort of how difficult it is to arrive at a conclusion. I think you've got to be conv- have a conviction when you're talking about approving a trade to go to a new team to be the difference in their run to a Stanley Cup final or Stanley Cup title. He's not convicted about anything. He's, he's conflicted. And I don't know that that's going to change. So I, I would go the other way. It wouldn't shock me at all if he's back on the ice at the United Center March 2nd. I know he sounds like a guy who's on his way out of town. I think it's he has to prepare himself emotionally, but he is very mixed up, and I understand it. So maybe it's just wishful thinking because I would love to find them. I'd love for them to find a way to keep Kaner and to draft Bedard because the thought of those two guys together would be exciting for hockey fans in town. 
So I'm going to go the other way and just say uh, he'll be on the ice the next time they play at home. Pick six. With a glut of free agent running backs, but also with uh, general manager and Ryan Pulse, who loves David Montgomery, how much should the Bears consider applying the franchise tag to the running back? It cost them about $10 million. Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea as much as I respect David Montgomery. I think that would be overpaying and overreacting to the potential loss of a guy who's been a very good Chicago Bear, but I don't know that you feel like you can't live without him, and I think you could get him cheaper on the payroll, and $10 million to me is overpaying for a position that the only reason I would overpay for that position with this free agent class would be if your Saquon Barkley's coming to town. He would be worth north of $10 million, and that's what he's going to command if he hits the open market. So I know this is a point of some discussion amongst Bears fans and, and Bears media, but I don't think it's a good idea. As much as I value David Montgomery, I don't think he's worth that $10 million a year. Was this reported somewhere or speculated that they could franchise tag him? Did SI write it? was. But in all seriousness, in all seriousness, okay? I'm just asking. I didn't see this. so I saw I'm it on the internet. Okay, good. Oh, well. Okay. Um, we talked about this the other day, culture at Hallis Hall, and they did, they've did. they tried to change the culture, and I believe they have. And I believe David Montgomery, like, screams. Hope you're watching on Twitch, by the way. Um, David Montgomery screams the hits principle, screams it. So if that is important in that building, then this isn't a crazy idea because I think this is a guy that comes to work and does all the right things. And if that is something, he, he at least performed. Not like the guy we talked about the other day who, you know, breathed on a quarterback one time. Okay, so um, I don't want to get into this whole culture nonsense, but they lost 14 games. That's a team <laughs> record, okay? So maybe they played closer because of the hits principle. But the fact is they're talentless. This guy has some talent. I don't know that I would just throw him out, but I also don't think there's any chance on God's earth that you would give a guy $10 million when you could get him for less than that. And – the, the, the key to the question can be found in the, the uh, prepositional phrase that leads the question, with a glut of running backs. There are a glut of running backs. You're going to be able to get somebody on the free agent market that can do a serviceable job. You might be able to get a guy in the draft, as Kansas City did late in the draft, who does a very good job for you. So I think that this is a non-starter. I don't think that they're contemplating – uh, franchising David Montgomery, that would make no sense. It, you know, if you want the guy, then sign him to a contract extension. If you don't want the guy, move on and see who's available and, and off you go. I, I just think it would be crazy to pay $10 million to a guy for what reason? Just to have him for one more year? You, you, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. I would agree with you. Didn't answer Dustin's question directly. It was on the Take the North podcast. Dan Weederer introduced it as somebody who had mentioned it to him a league executive around the league, so it was being considered by the Bears apparently, and that's why we addressed it. Thank you. Wow. Okay. And we got that now. <laughs> you two want to go back and hit at each other during the break. I'm just – I was asked for attribution. I supplied it. Okay. Asked good. and answered, Counselor. Uh, it's interesting. I, I, yeah. I think it's interesting. That's I don't why think I it's interesting. I think it's a Wait, bad who, idea. Who, who submitted that question the other day? Let's go back a step. The what, culture what question. question. I don't know. I didn't submit a culture question. I submitted this one because I thought it was. No, no, I think it's it. But somebody, one of you two submitted the Bears 
not care about culture anymore when they kicked a guy out. That was me. Okay. That was me. Okay. I asked the question because they got rid of uh, Al-Qadim Muhammad, who they brought here to change the culture, be Ooh. part of the positive culture, and now they cut him to save $4 million bucks. Yeah. But the culture of, uh, of dependability, of uh, above average, is the culture you want to start embracing not the culture of 14 losses. And if you're a running back, the culture you'd like to be part of is explosiveness. There you go. That's what you need, yeah. explosiveness. 312-644-6767 is the number. We've got the extra point next. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. All right, guys. Shortening games is all the rage in sports besides MLB. NCAA college football commissioners are studying Four rules changes that would reduce the time of games. The most controversial involves keeping the clock running after first downs unless inside two minutes and starting the clock after incompletions as soon as the ball is spotted. Are these good or bad changes, necessary or unnecessary in college football? College football is different than the NFL. I'm a little surprised that there's as much momentum for this as there seems to be. The NFL, I get it. You play 17 games. You have three hours and 15 minutes, ideally, to get those games in. And it's a, it's a TV show, and it's a schedule, and it's structured, and you're in, you're out. College football, yes, there's more games than there used to be, but I just don't know why they are in such a hurry. I get it because the games tend to drag, and, and anybody that has watched Notre Dame on NBC for as many years knows how long those games can go. And college football can go a little bit because the clock stopping. I don't know if this is progress or not. I don't know if I'm in favor of this. Uh, and I guess if I don't know, I'm not. And I do think that there are maybe components to this. You, I understand. But I also think you're going to be asking, you're going to be putting, placing a higher premium on clock management, on getting in and out of huddles, these kinds of things that it could affect outcomes. And with the stakes increasing and then you're getting – to the point where those things are more important as well. It's not the NFL in terms of having the coaching infrastructure, the, the quarterbacks who are more seasoned and experienced doing these things. So the clock management takes on a higher importance, and I don't know that the, maybe college football quarterbacks and offenses are ready for it. So I don't know. I don't really – I guess I'm not in favor of this. I don't know that there needs to be something like this in place so if they're doing it in the name of safety, say that, make that clearer because it's not clear right now. Here's what I'd say. If you go to a sporting event, like physically go, you should not be in a rush to get out of there. Then you shouldn't go. You know, sell the tickets, give the tickets to somebody else. I mean, sure, emergencies come up. And if you're at home and you need to bolt or leave, hit the DVR button. And then do yourself a favor. Record the next show after it because how many times show of hands have you been burned by that, recording a game and then not getting the, the entire event that you wanted to watch. <laughs> college football games do seem like an eternity, and, and I watch my fair share of college football on Saturdays and especially Notre Dame games, um, and they do seem to take forever, like four-hour forever. But if you're at the game, you know, in, in, David, it's probably, to your point, safety. That's that's probably what they're trying to do here. But are the numbers down because the games are too long? Are, are they down because, you know, they're paying, the networks are paying astronomical fees for the rights. So I got to imagine the numbers are still pretty good. Um, the average college football game takes three hours and 22 minutes, and this is f uh, based on a survey from uh, 2022. So... 
you know, October of 2022. That is three hours and 22 minutes. That's up four minutes over um, over the same uh, length of time five years earlier. So games are getting longer. And they're getting longer, I think, because teams are scoring more. And there are breaks after touchdowns and there are kickoffs. and there are, It just takes more time as they become more prolific in their scoring. And if you go back 10 years, the numbers are are even lower. So they've got to do something to figure out a way. All these games are televised, as you say, Dustin. So you've got the breaks between the the, uh, the scores, and then you got TV timeouts, and you start adding that up, and it's getting longer and longer. And in sports, the idea is to get shorter and shorter. So this is one way the, the – clock a little bit to try to speed up the game and I understand the impulse to do that because ultimately who's calling the shots television's calling the shots and if you're losing your fan base because the games are too long and you don't you know maybe you do Dustin maybe you do record a game but you don't go back to it or you don't uh, you don't have the time to put into it it is just or you got people tuning in late and watching the second half of a game, whatever it yeah, might be. I, I, I think it makes sense that if it's a television sport, they want to get it into a television I window. get that. I just don't think it's like Major League Baseball. You want to quicken the games because there are 162 of them. In the NFL, even, there's 17 of them. I don't know that anybody besides a sports writer goes to a college football game and looks at their watch. Well, I, I, I wonder about that because I think what we're talking about here is not – um, going to a game. What we're talking about is sitting at home and watching three games. That adds up. It, it, you know, what you want, if you're a television executive, is somebody that will spend their Saturday watching game after game and then maybe a game on the weekend. And that's what we do, quite frankly. We watch a ton of, of football during the season, one game after another. But it's hard, man. It's I know. Hard. I'm not trying to be devil's advocate, but I also think that by reducing – and by doing this with the clock and keeping it running, are you limiting the the one team's ability to come back? Yes, you are. So you are you reducing the drama? Yes, you are. So I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I I don't know that this is the answer, this particular thing, but I understand the impulse. That's all I'm saying. They they need to. The problem is, you know, you, there's no minor league system. It's not like right. you're going to be able to use. Well, you know, we've instituted these rules <laughs> at the, you know whatever conference to see how it turns out. It's just, it's not going to happen. I hear you. All right. Three, one, two, six, 44, 67, 67. It's Mully and Hall at Chicago sports radio, six, seven, the score. It was between golden state and the bulls. And uh, the bulls have been after me for the last couple of years. I f- with Billy Donovan. I really do. I, I like his structure. I like, he goes like how he goes about, about things. So I was, I couldn't kind of say no to that. Obviously, you know, it's always good to play with a lot of great talent in Golden State, but you know, it's a lot of, a lot of guards over there, you know? So I, I figured, you know, I can make a playoff push with the Bulls right now and kind of, you know, pump them up a little bit. The East kind of weak, you feel me? You know, not to disrespect anybody in the East, but you know, the, uh, a lot of people went to the West. So uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Mullion Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. That's Patrick Beverly. I feel him. And he I is, do. Uh, the East is there for the taking. I don't think the Bulls are going to take it. But if you're talking about making a playoff push, I'd rather do that in the East than the West. What? What? Would you rather play for the Bulls than the Golden State Warriors? 
Because that Steve Kerr is guys on. What's your goal? It's not. You can't get along with that guy. <laughs> What's your goal if you're Patrick Beverly? Um, I would hope to win a title. And you're more likely to do that with the team that just won one, albeit a beaten up team, banged up, a lot of guards, as he It's says. a good question. I think there were extenuating circumstances with the Bulls' opportunity. Coming, of, ho- coming home. Coming home, maybe playing a bigger role. That's what I think is be more about, as he referenced. He didn't say this, but he kind of said it without saying it. The Bulls badly need direction, badly need a point guard, yes. badly need his energy. He can help the Bulls' culture, just to overuse an overused word, uh, more than he can help the Golden State Cup. Well, he can also affect outcomes more than he would in, in with the Warriors because the Warriors have a lot of guys his size and position that are already there doing that. So when you talk about coming to Chicago and getting on the court and walking in a locker room, definitely you're going to be – you're needed here more, and everybody wants to be needed. So Patrick Beverly took the opportunity to come home, play for the Bulls, and maybe go on a little bit of a run here. They can go nowhere but up, let's be honest. After six straight losses, limping into the All-Star break, this team is going nowhere. This gives them a little bit of life. Well, and I mean, look, any anything different is better than what's been happening because they've been playing the same game quite often. They, they've taken the lead in these games and then fallen apart. They they stop playing for large stretches of games because their minds drift, I, their attention wanes. I don't know how to describe their effort it. fluctuates way more than it should. This well, is a, I, this I, is a I, flighty team. I can't say that their minds drift. I can't. What I can say is their energy lapses. Well, one's they, related they to the other, stop. right? Well, I I mean I don't know. Do, do you need your mind yes. to remind you to work hard? Yes. I think it's focus. That, it's focus. It's all about focus and concentration, intensity. All those yeah, things. Yeah, they are, don't have any of those things. All those things are mental. Yeah, it's a it's a state of mind. Yeah, and when you when you bring in a guy like Patrick Beverly, your state of mind is a state of readiness all the time. This guy never shuts off. The, the, the problem with a team like the Bulls, and it's a major issue, is in KC kind of mentioned it. You know, the Bulls are like, oh, thank God we got these teams we can beat. Everybody thinks like, oh, thank God we can beat the Bulls. <laughs> right. And, and it, it, is, it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy where you don't have the, as you, as you talk about, whether you want to call it energy or the mental focus, whatever it is, when you lack that, you're going to let down. And everybody who plays you knows there's going to be a moment in that game where you're going to stop really working hard, and then we'll, we're going to jump on you. And because you are going to stop working hard, teams are going to jump on you. So it's like they're, they're inviting it and they're motivating the opponent because they are so unmotivated themselves. Because the book is out on them. Yeah. If you hang around against the Bulls, you can come back because there's going to be right. a lull. Right. They're going to have a lapse. Yeah. And you're going to catch them. Yeah, they will. They will. Uh, they you, you can lead them to not trying by just playing them. They eventually will quit for you a little bit, and then you'll be able to jump back in the game. They're not the try-hard team. You're never, you're never out of hope. Nope. You you're always never out of. You always have a chance if you're playing the Bulls. Just oh. ask the Pacers. <laughs> Boy, that, those are some 
Terrible loss. So, right? over the next four games, before the Suns come to town next Friday and Kevin Durant gets a chance to, will he be back by then? I think he will be. That would be fun if he is. But the four games before that you are all winnable. You start out with the Nets on Friday, Wizards, Raptors, Pistons. You got to go three and one. You got to start out strong, make a statement that you still have some life left in you and you're still playing for something, even though it is – not what you thought it would be. The season has certainly not gone according to plan. But you don't want to miss the playoffs, even though it is a tantalizing possibility for some people to consider. That. Well, I mean, the, the, the problem that they're in, the trick box that they're in, is that they only get to keep their draft pick if it's in the lottery and in the top four picks. Other than that, they transfer that pick to the uh, Magic. Orlando Magic. Yeah because of the Vooch trade. Mm-hmm. So Vooch is out of contract. You're, you're, you want him to help you to make the deal better, but you'd be better off having the pick given the state of the team. It's, it's, a, real, it's a real problem. But if that is what you prioritize, you're not signing Patrick Beverly because you did not bring no, him no, here no. They've, they to They want to win. They want to yeah. win. They're trying to win. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate that – you know, you're you're shutting down Lonzo Ball. We knew that was coming. The timing of it with with this guy coming in and that guy shutting down makes it look even worse. Just a reminder that the team you tried to put together will never be. It's just a reminder of the best laid plans. It just didn't yeah. materialize. And you're right. The Lonzo Ball thing was made official this week, but it surprised nobody paying attention. 312-644-6767 is the number. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670 score.